Okay, ladies. So uh, we're going to get started. We're glad we're back from break. Uh, Okay, so I want to start by thinking about going outside tonight and looking up at the night sky. If you are like me and you live here in Fort Worth proper, we'll see what? Maybe like a handful of stars? Um, Some nights maybe we'll see a few more. Uh, Now that I want you to think about a time that you've been out in the country or you've been in the mountains and you've looked up into the sky and you have seen thousands of stars and how you were in awe of their beauty. Those exact same stars are over our sky here in Fort Worth, but we can't see them. We can't see them because of light pollution. There are so many other lights that our eyes are processing that we are then not able to see the lights of the stars that are farther away. National Geographic says that the normal human eye could see 2,500 stars in the sky every night. But because of the competing lights, they say that in most suburbs, people will see about 200 to 300 And in the city, less than a dozen. What I would suggest to you this morning is that just like the competing lights of our life make the stars, make us unable to see the stars, the competing trusts in our life make us less able to see God. Our eyes, our hearts, our, our ears are not open to God the same amount at all times. So right now, I'm going to pray, and I would encourage you to pray with me that God would open our eyes, that God would open our hearts, and that he would help us to understand. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, the most beautiful night sky we have ever seen pales in comparison to you. Help us to look to you, to consult you, and to trust you. Help us see, help us hear, help us understand, and help us speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So this first verse of chapter 31 uh, starts us off with what is the main theme carried throughout this entire section. It's the million-dollar question of the whole book. It's the million-dollar question of our whole life. Who or what do you trust? What do you rely on? What do you turn to for help? Are you looking to the things of man or are you looking to God? What are the areas that you are like a complacent daughter who needs to rise up to spiritual things? I think this first verse of this entire section gives us a great litmus test, though, that it's kind of peaked up throughout the book, but here it's really clear as a litmus test to help us to process this question. We see here that those who seek in other help elsewhere, who rely on other things, those who do not trust in God, are equated, are presented as synonymous with those who do not look to God and those who do not consult God. 
we are to ask if we look to God, if we consult God. So are my eyes on you? Is my focus in life on you? Are things processed in my life through you? And here is the litmus test. Do I consult you? Is consulting you a constant rhythm of my life? We have seen over and over the kings in this book make the mistake of not consulting the Lord. To not consult him is equated with not trusting him. To not consult him is to not look to him for help. To keep your own counsel is to disregard the God who made you. There are so many ways we can consult God, but it's kind of confusing. So I just want to look at how do we consult the Lord? If we consider this book, we know that the kings were to consult the Lord through the prophets and the priests. They were to utilize and place themselves under the structure that God had provided and that he had set up for their good. So one way we consult God is by being a part of his church and under the teaching of the church. We consult God by asking for the counsel of a pastor or an elder or an older woman or a sister in Christ because these are the systems that God has set up in place for us. When we see the need for wisdom outside of ourselves, we are showing that we are trusting God. When we seek godly counsel, it's a form of showing trust in God. We're trusting that he did not make us to live this life alone and gave us his church and his people to help us to walk in his ways. We also consult God by his word. By being here this morning, we are consulting God. We are showing our dependence and our trust and are seeking him for help as we value his word and as we commit our time to studying it. I um, have found myself in the last few years really having a very deep, heartfelt respect for the women in our church who do Bible study year after year after year after year. Uh, for me, it had kind of always been easy to come to Bible study. Uh, but in more recent years with four kids and a job and my life feeling busier than ever, I have felt tempted to use the time for other things. And um, I have thought of these ladies. I've thought of Gail and Terry and Lynn and, and so many that year after year come to sit under the counsel of God. And I see their example to prioritize saturating their life with God's word so that 20 years later, 40 years later, all the days of their life later, they are still trusting God by consulting him in his word. And they're helping me to consult God in his word through their wisdom and presence. Let us not grow weary in consulting our great and wise God.
finally, another important way we consult God is through prayer. Even as we saw that Isaiah couldn't help but break out in prayer in the middle of this section in verses 33, chapter 33, verse 2. Oh Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trust, in, tr- in the time of trouble. Um, I can be trusting God by asking him for help and wisdom all throughout my day, consulting him often about the big and the small. Sometimes I think a hindrance to prayer, though, can be that we don't get to have his voice reply back to us. So I real quick just want to go through and say that though we don't expect an audible voice, there is so much that we can expect when we consult God. We can expect from him that many times he will give us the gift of increased wisdom. He is who can give us the wisdom needed to process a situation correctly. We can expect that he will answer many times by helping us to think of a specific scripture or a specific scriptural principle. We can expect for God to answer many times by equipping us with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can also expect that as chapter 32 lays out, when we consult our God, he will many times answer with providing for the need we've brought before him and by comforting our souls. He can work in our situation, and he can be to us a stream of water in a dry place or shade in a weary land. We can expect that many times God will work to help us to know and love him more. So if we want wisdom, if we want scripture to come to our hearts and minds, if we want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if we want our needs met, our souls comforted, if we want to know and love God more, where do we go? We go to our God. We consult our God through his people, through his word, and through prayer. We trust our God And he will be our stability and our abundance. And the fear of him will be our treasure. Chapter 33, verse 6. The fear of him will be our treasure. It will be our treasure that our God is mighty and strong and powerful beyond all compare. That he is high and lifted up. That he is able to save. When we take a moment and let it sink in how amazing our God is. How holy he is. How much he loves. How much he cares. How he fights for us. How he wins for us. Let it be our greatest delight that our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, creator of those awe-inspiring stars, 
maker of heaven and earth, let who he is nourish us each day. I uh, want to read chapter 35, verses 3 through 6 and verse 10 together. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. When I was younger, I didn't see myself as uh, weak or feeble or anxious. Uh, But every year I have gotten older, I have identified with that more and more. Life just gets really hard sometimes. And the fall that happened in Genesis this three is real, and it won't leave my life alone. Um, it breaks into every day. It breaks into every relationship I have. It won't leave my life alone. <laughs> and um, sometimes I am strong and unafraid, but sometimes I am weak and feeble and anxious. And when I am, I am in need of you. And when you are, you are in need of me. Over and over, I have seen God use someone else to minister to me when I am low. It is most often not until I take the step of telling someone and letting them speak words of encouragement to me that I begin the process of moving towards strength and courage. A friend told me that she read an article by a counselor that when someone is struggling, the most powerful two words are me too. Um, And that resonated with me because I have seen over and over how God has worked almost a physical sense of release (laughs) When I have shared the hard situation I'm in and someone hasn't shamed me or made me feel less than, but instead identified with me and made me feel less alone and then, and told me some form of me too, and then reminded me of my God, reminded me of who is with me and fights for me. How, when they would tell me how they had a struggle like that too, and how God helped them, or just sat in the despair that today really may not get better, but tomorrow will come, that a day will come where God will come and will save. His mercies are new every morning. He is a God who delights to break forth waters 
in the wilderness. He delights to bring streams to the desert. He is a God who delights to put joy upon our heads and to give us gladness and joy. He is a God who delights to see sorrow and sighing flee away. I love that word, sighing. That could describe me sometimes. I'm just sighing. That's how life can feel sometimes. God delights to enter into that. Let our treasure be the fear of the Lord. The more we see him clearly, the more we love him and treasure him. When we are in a desert or a wilderness, a time of sorrow and sign, we can look to the heavens. Where does our help come from? And we can look back on our life and see how time after time he has brought us through the valley. And he will bring us through this valley. And one day, with his strength and his power, he will bring us to the eternal, everlasting joy. One day we will be before his presence with gladness and joy obtained. They will be ours forever because Jesus has won them for us. Until then, our God is like a bird hovering. Did y'all look at that part? I thought that was really funny. Uh, Chapter 31, verse 5. Like birds hovering, so the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. Um, The Moyer commentary pointed out that there are four descriptions, protect, deliver, spare, rescue, and that with the Hebrew audience, with the four words being given, they would have associated all sides of them being protected. So whether that's north, south, east, west, or before, behind, above, below, but it's a complete protection. I feel like God's like the first helicopter parent, (laughs) but like in the good senses. (laughs) Um, He is ever for you. He is ever with you, and he is ever working our good. Uh, And what is the ways we see that most clearly? We see that in the King Jesus who will reign in righteousness and who is seen in chapter 32 as the greatest hiding place, the greatest shelter, the one who brings refreshment, who opens our eyes, ears, hearts, and tongues and helps us to see truth and call good, good, and evil, evil to make us ambassadors for true justice. Let us not be complacent to the things of God. Let us trust God and let us let that trust be seen in consulting him. That consulting him is the greatest rhythm of our life. That we would look to the day where he will come again and make all sorrow and sighing flee away and make all things new and will save us for an eternity. May every time we look into the night sky and only see 12 stars, or if you live in Alito, only see 300 stars, (laughs) remind us to want more of God. May they remind us to consult him and ask to see him and know him more. There are 2,500 stars that we're not seeing. 
Think of the things we're not seeing of God. Think of the things we could see of God if we consulted him two times, five times, ten times more regularly. Our eyes aren't able to see the stars because of the competing lights. Let us not be complacent about the competing lights in our life spiritually. Let us long for God more than sin and idols and the earthly things that we trust in so that we can see God more clearly. Let our eyes behold the King in his beauty. Let us see the Lord in majesty and in glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is such a gift to us. It is your counsel for us. It helps us to know how we are to live and how we are to relate to you. You so want for us to trust you, to look to you for help, to rely upon you, to consult you, and to know our need of you. Help us to do these things. Lord, and would you work in every fiber of our being belief that you will come again, that you will save us, and that we can get through anything that is before us because you and Jesus and the Spirit are with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? May your greatness and who you are be our treasure. In Jesus' name, amen.